do deaf people think you're screaming when you yawn? up buttercups welcome to episode 21 of taco court fantasy football league podcast i am your host nate moliday the manager of the vinegar strokes in this league in all my fantasy leagues you can find me at twitter instagram tiktok at naterade 530 all one word give me up there on social give us your thoughts what you'd like to hear on the podcast and whatever else you want to talk about, I'm talking about anything is my podcast. So, um, in our league's podcast, but in this episode, we're going to cover a little bit of a week four recap. So we'll go over the fantasy aspect. We have Tony Coase, Tony Patriot is his team name in this league. And as all the people know him coming over from the 58 West King podcast available on all platforms out there. He's also one of the hosts of champions dynasty league podcast, which is where we took four competitive leagues amongst a bunch of friends and took the top three teams in each league and created a dynasty league. So we're in week one right there right now. It is a struggle. My nose itches. Sorry. My nose itches. Uh, right now it's kind of a struggle because we don't have IR spots in that. We didn't expect as much stuff to go on with the amount of depth that we have on the benches, but as things spread, so kind of talking about all that kind of stuff, it's interesting, but we'll get into that stuff on those podcasts as well. Oh, my nose. Right as I start to record. Um, But yeah, he's on that. You can hit him up at 58WK Podcast on, I think it's WKing Podcast, WK Podcast on uh, Twitter. Uh, You can also find him at ACauseTheHeavy, A-C-O-Z. I believe he's underscore Mafia, so underscore the underscore heavy on those platforms as well. Uh, The link is in the show notes on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. So you can just go click that Twitter link. You'll get over to that podcast's uh, Twitter handle, uh, and you can interact with that too. Um, but I would encourage you to go subscribe if you like that kind of content, leave a review and rate it and how he can better the stuff there and what you think about his content. Um, it's really good. It's got a little bit over 50 episodes right now, uh, getting really innovative with sound in the middle of the podcast and all that kind of stuff. His editing prowess is really great. He spends a better amount editing than I do on this podcast, um, but he's getting really, really, really good at it. So um, it makes it really comedic too and enjoyable. Breaks up some of the monotony of just hearing a voice the entire time uh, for those people who find that stuff entertaining. I find it entertaining myself as well. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get into a betting recap. So a bunch of us have been doing some sports betting and handicapping. If you follow me on my Instagram, Facebook, uh, if you're a friend of me on Facebook, um, then you'll see that in my stories, I've been posting a lot of sports betting stuff that I've been doing. So I started uh, week one of the NFL season. I found a promo code for mybookie.ag, which is where I do all my sports betting at. They're not a sponsor or anything like that because uh, we don't we only have the one sponsor on this podcast in anchor who is our our platform that we use to distribute all podcasts and all that kind of stuff um they're basically our host <clears throat> and then um but i think it's a really cool platform to use so they pretty much have everything you can bet on over there so whether it's sports horse racing even the presidential debates you can do bets on it they pretty much have it all um but yeah not a sponsor um, but yeah, anyways, a group of us have been sharing a little bit of stuff through text message and everything like that, our thoughts on our bets and why, and then sharing our results. And I've been posting all my stuff on my socials, uh, at least my Instagram, uh, stories. So you can see all that kind of stuff there. I'll probably, I'm probably going to make a, um, a highlight so that you can see all that kind of stuff. I'm pretty transparent in what I do bet. So I'll post, I'll post what I am betting. Um, and then what the results were in the unit 
uh, conversion for that kind of stuff too. So uh, a lot of people are interested in it because a lot of us used to play daily fantasy as well, but the daily fantasy market is kind of super, super saturated and you're playing up against 50,000 people. If you're trying to chase big prizes or you're, you know, doubling up in underman 50 fifties and stuff like that. And we saw it last year in DFS on DraftKings and FanDuel that you're seeing a lot of these lineup trains. So people are posting, you know, 20, 30, 40 people have the same lineup. So you're basically going up against 60% of the people. If those people hit, you're going up against 60% of the people for 10% of the spots. So, and none of the sites are doing anything about it. So, um, yeah, so sports betting is pretty cool because it's just you versus the book. So you get a number, you beat it, boom, you win or not. So um, some of that stuff is uh, – we'll get into some of that kind of stuff on education, I guess. Like I'm not no pro or anything like that, but um, I'm really big on learning. So I've spent, I'd say, probably five, six, seven years learning you know, fantasy from a daily aspect. So um, I've had some pretty good years in daily fantasy, but um, the sports betting angle, I haven't done tons of it. I kind of just started really this year. I've bet before and all that kind of stuff, but just learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and watching people and what they do and what they see and finding my own little, my own little avenue within it to um, be successful. And right now I'm kind of successful, but it's early on. Who knows? Maybe I'm just on a run. Um, if I, I can't sustain what I'm doing right now. Some of it's kind of batshit crazy and dumb and we'll get into that. But, um, but if I were like this, I would be like some professional dude and I'm just not that. So, um, take it for what it is. Um, but they're just my thoughts on stuff, but we'll get into some of that stuff and how I got started, what I, what I started betting on and stuff like that. And then, uh, why, and then how I do, different things because uh, I, I do do a lot of, of in-game betting. If I'm watching a game, I'll bet, I'll bet live a lot more. Um, so especially in baseball, uh, more so just because I'm more on – I play into like the mental game and the mental aspect of players. And um, I've always thought as an – as growing up as an athlete, I thought momentum was bullshit and that if you had like the strong mind – and you didn't believe in that kind of stuff. You didn't let your emotion get attached to what's going on in it. And I did that a lot when I have, I was like super emotional with stuff early when I was younger, when it came to sports, especially when I was playing. But, um, once I figured out like, Hey, like, you know, all you need to do is get a stop or two stops or something like that, go down, put some points on the board and then it changes. And you let them deal with the fact that they're not mentally strong and they're seeing a 14 point lead, 21 point lead diminish. They get nervous. They make mistakes but you're playing the long game. So, um, and that's how I kind of do a lot of my sports betting stuff. What's the mental aspect? Um, there are some things like statistical things that I look at, which we'll get into here in a little bit with this Thursday night Jets Broncos game. Um, but yeah, but um, I do bet college a little bit. That's where I started. And then um, baseball, I like to bet live in game and then NFL as well too both pre and in game. So I'm not like a, I don't have no models or nothing. It's just what I see, what I know from watching sports and keying in on specific teams that I'll watch. So, um, yeah. Um, ideally you'd like to get in as early as possible on the week. If you have like, if you're like super pro because you're looking for closing line value, which means that you are, you're betting a number that is way off from what it should be. And then the market corrects itself because sports books don't like the sports book doesn't dictate what the line is that people do. So um, when people say, Oh, Vegas has this number. No, nah, it's not Vegas. It's just, they run the platform for everybody else to bet on it. So, um, and yep, that's that. So I said, I wasn't getting into education, so we're not doing that anymore. Um, but yeah, for the sake of this right now, uh, we're going to do NFL stuff for that time being, but, <sighs> All right. So Thursday night football. So from a sports betting angle, uh, Thursday night football, we started off with, I looked at the total for the game. Um, that's usually where I look at first is just the totals. So um, I didn't get early in it, get on it early or anything like that. I bet, think I bet this like an hour or two before the game start um, game started. But uh, one thing I looked at was that the total was 41 and a half. And uh, I ended up taking the over on that and kind of why, right? So we'll get into why, but uh, 
you know, both teams are they average like 12 to 14 points a game, you know, nothing really too crazy, but um, I think the line was really focused on offensive struggles as opposed to how weak their defenses were. Um, when you look at the Jets and who they played and the defenses that they played against, they're averaging somewhere around 12 to, I think it was like 13 something points a game. Uh, but they played the Bills, the Niners, and the Colts, three of the top defenses. They scored 17, 13, and 7, respectively. Granted, they're not the greatest team. Their coach is trash. But um, if you think that they're bad enough to where they can't put up 20 points on the Broncos, who have a, a lesser defense, right, and they're letting up 23 points a game, um, I, I tend to think that was incorrect. So I said, nope, there. Uh, they're going to be able to put up more than their average. Uh, and kind of the reason why is the fact that the Jets defense is trash. So a lot of times when you're looking at Thursday night games, history tells us that Thursday night games go under a lot, right? Um, another thing too is the NFL is not calling holding. They haven't called holding basically for like, like really calling holding in the first like four weeks of the, of the season. So they're letting people get by. I don't know if that corrects itself. If they're like, hey, we're going to, you know, we didn't have a preseason. So um, we're going to be a little bit more lenient on this kind of stuff or whatever. So I would expect that some of these game totals in the future are going to be super skyrocket into the 50s and stuff like that. And uh, you'll get to see um, some lower totals like we normally see like in the mid 40s and stuff like that. But yeah, the Jets defense is complete trash. And I get that the uh, Broncos, you know, have a concern at quarterback, but I'm kind of like a I was like a Brett Rippin truther. And I said that in. um in one of the chats that I had with the, with the guys, I was like, I kind of believe in this dude. And I think that he can really do good things and all that crap. So I'm not sure if I talked about this on the last podcast, but um, anyways, I don't think I did. Maybe I did it on champions dynasty league. I think that's where I did it. So, uh, but for the sake of on this podcast, we'll talk about it right now, but the Broncos have all the weapons and their only concern was quarterback. I'm kind of a, Brought rip and truther. Uh, I think the dude can rip the ball, um, but they just have Drew Locke there, and Drew Locke's pretty damn good himself too. So, um, you know, does a a mediocre, a good quarterback with a bunch of weapons can he like not put up points against you know not lead his team to put up points against the lowly Jets? Like everybody runs on the Jets, everybody passes on the Jets. Like, nah, they're gonna score, right? So to me, this the pace was gonna be super high for the Jets. They're gonna get a lot of opportunity to score. Um, and the, because the Broncos should be able to score at will. And even if they didn't have the three intercept, like they put up 37 points in this game, the Broncos did with Brett Rippon, and he threw three interceptions. Like that's how bad the Jets are. Like if you're getting any team with like under 27 points against the Jets for their team totals, you should bet the over because they're fucking complete garbage. But Brett Rippon threw three picks. Like they probably could have put up a 50 burger on these bums. Uh, and then on the reverse engineering side of what that does is the Broncos defense is nowhere near close to what the Jets former opponents were. Therefore, they're more likely to put up more points on average. Uh, so I looked if if I split it down the middle, right, a 41 and a half, you're looking at about 21 points a game. Can the Broncos or 21 points a team? Can the Broncos put up 21 points on these guys? No doubt. Like the Jets offense can put up 21 points against the Jets defense. That's how bad they are. And that's from an Adam Gase run offense. Right. So within that, uh, with that in mind, no doubt they can put up 21 points, right? Now on the Jets, can they score one extra touchdown on top of what their 13 is on the average um, against a weaker defense? They should be able to, right? So, um, and they definitely have the opportunity. And maybe if they don't even put up the touchdown, are they going to get? They should be able to move the ball a little bit. And if they get to, into like the 30 to 40 range, 40 yard range, like, and they have to kick some field goals, like. You're a mile high. The ball's going to fucking fly, right? So I took the over there. Um, and we'll get into some of the other bets that I took on that too. But um, I guess we'll get into it right now. So, yeah, so I, you hit that, right? You hit that um, the over on the points right there. And then I'm just going to a different screen right now. And then so I hit the over on 41 and a half, right? So the next thing I look at is I like looking at first quarter and uh, – second quarter bets and half time bets. Right. So I looked at the first quarter uh, for a prop and it said over seven. So it's like, okay, like the Broncos should be able to score a touchdown. And then maybe you need to field goal out of the jets. Like they're going to get, there's going to be three, four possessions within the first quarter. Um, both of these teams should be able to score. So I 
it was seven and I bet the, but the seven at minus minus one thirty five, uh, for, and I used 1.35 units to get one. And then I looked at what's, what's it for the second quarter. So on usually for second quarters are like around 17 points, because usually you have a team that's getting, that's maybe driving the ball at the end of the first quarter. And, um, and so they're going to get a quick score and then someone else scores and then the other team score. And then there's like another four possessions for the quarter. So you're getting another possession. So those second quarter totals, you'll typically see somewhere around 14 and a half to 17 and a half or something like that, or 13 and a half to 17 and a half. Uh, a lot of times before games, I see 17 and a half. So, um, cause they're looking for a couple of touchdowns here or whatever like that. If, if there's teams that can score, but the second quarter one was 10 and a half. So I'm like, okay, like, two scores like you know two to three scores like this can happen like that i think that the broncos like based off what i said earlier are going to be able to score at will and the jets should be able to move the ball as well so i bet that uh 1.15 units to win one um so now if i'm on the over of those things seven and ten and a half now i'm looking at okay i believe there's going to be over 17 and a half points between the two quarters what's the the first half line right and it was 20 um I think anybody in the league in the NFL can put up 20 points and a half against the Jets, um, especially with a team with all these weapons and a quarterback that I believe in who can sling it. He has nothing to lose, right? They're playing the Jets. They're probably going to win anyways, fucking gun it. Um, but the total for the first half was 20. So um, the line was minus 120. So I bet 1.2 units to get one. Right? And then uh, we had the over. Uh, all four of those cashed uh, extremely quick. Uh, the first quarter one cashed within a couple minutes of the game. Uh, the second quarter one cashed there. And I think there was like six minutes left in the half and we hit the over 20 there. And then, yeah, 41 hit. So that was that for Thursday night football. So for Thursday night football recap, we risked, I risked 4.8 units to win four and I won all four bets. So the profit, I get my 4.8 units back plus four units so profit of four units right there and a unit is just a, a measurement of what your size of bet is so um for me i use one percent of what my allocation for uh the week is or whatever like that so um that's a standard rule of thumb is to use one percent of your bankroll whatever you're willing to risk and lose completely one percent at a time per unit and we'll get into some dumb shit I did later on. But uh, Sunday. So Sunday I got murdered. Um, step one, never parlay. I don't like parlaying. I, I tell everybody not to parlay and I keep doing it. Um, it's fun, but I wouldn't sit there and say, like, if I'm going to bet this week, I'm going to parlay because I'm trying to hit a big one, right? Like, it's fun. You have some extra cash or whatever like that. Throw it in there. But don't look at making profits off of parlays because you get the crazy odds because they don't hit. Oh, burp. But my first parlay, I bet two units to win 48.6. And this is why you don't parlay. I bet the, the Panthers to win uh, and beat Arizona. So at plus 140. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, I thought would beat the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost Houston Texans against uh, – these are all money lines, so just straight up to win. Houston Texans to beat the Minnesota Vikings. I bet the Dolphins to win. That was kind of crazy, but I just kind of – against Seattle, but Seattle, I think we're going to be able to find ways to profit off of the recency buys of Seattle because they travel more than any team in the league. Like I think they travel over 50,000 miles this season or some, something crazy. Like they go East to West so much that, um, and it was a one o'clock game. So they're playing at like 10 o'clock in the morning on a, uh, I think it was a one o'clock game, but they're playing super early for West coast time. Right. So as they're flying back and forth and back and forth, you can see some of the, you're going to, I think you're going to really see some of their totals go down. And that is like historical reference to that, that happens. Bills, Niners who lost and Tampa. Um, so parlay, like, you know, most of these teams should have won the bucks bucks ended up winning. The Niners should have won. They were a minus four fifty favorite. Um, that's outrageous. And they lost to the Eagles. The bills won. Uh, Dolphins lost. They were an underdog Houston one, 185 favorite. They lost. Jacksonville lost at even money. So uh, two units down the tube right there. Uh, my second parlay, this is why you don't parlay. Uh, these two guys had plus 200 to score touchdown props. So that's pretty much as low as it gets 
Um, unless you're like, you know, the, the number one guy in an offense like Zeke or um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire or something like that. Uh, like you're, those like super, super, superstars are going to have like minus 110 or something like that. But the lines, like most of it for like your, you know, your players who are wide receivers and stuff like that are more likely going to be in the plus 150 to plus 200. So pretty good odds for them to score a touchdown for Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. Um, I thought that they would be able to burn against Minnesota and Will Fuller got himself a touchdown, but Brandon Cooks didn't get jack squat. Um, so I risked two units to win eight and lost there. So already Sunday, I'm down four units, right? Um, I also bet some props on Jonathan Taylor. So I bet Jonathan Taylor to rush for over 79.5 yards, lost that one unit. Uh, bet three units for Jonathan Taylor because this is dumb because it's like a, a prop parlay. But I bet Jonathan Taylor to get 120, one touchdown, and the Colts to win. That was three units to get nine. So I lost three units there. So I'm Jonathan Taylor, I lost four units. So for on the day, I am down eight units at that point. Um, reason I kind of bet that was because the Bears are allowing somewhere around five yards of carry. Uh, and I think that's what Indy really wants to do. So um, I thought the game would be super close as well, and uh, the total was fairly low with a small spread under, I think it was under three. I think it was like one and a half, or maybe it was three and a half, um, but it was super small, super small spread. So um, close, close, tight game. They're going to have him in running the ball a little bit more, five yards a pop, breaks one, boom, we, we win it. Um, so at that point, I'm kind of on tilt. We're going into the Sunday night game, Niners and the Eagles down eight units, right? So I sit there and I'm like, screw it. I'm like, you know, I had good nights the other night or whatever like that too. So, but, um, and in the past from other sports, baseball and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, let's see, I bet I was trying to like kind of, I was tilting kind of recoup. Uh, but I've been looking at a lot of like first touchdown scoring props and we're seeing a lot more that like mobile quarterbacks are more likely, are they're running it in more at near the end zone. And um, I think there's, I don't want to say there's an edge. These things are dumb. Like they're all flyers. Right. But, um, but there's opportunity there if you're willing to just lose money to, um, to bet something like that. Right. So I bet Nick Mullins to score first, which means that it has to be a rushing touchdown for him, not a passing touchdown. Um, if you have that guy score, because it's the guy who carries the ball over the goal line. So I bet a unit uh, there to win 29 uh, because it's highly there. You know, with all the players on the field, they're the least likely to probably score something like that, um, even though they touch the ball all the time. But he's pretty mobile, too. He's ran a lot in the past. And if he scrambles near the goal line or something like that and gets in because Kittle was back and, you know, the defense has to look at that, Ayuk in or whatever, like Ayuk in, damn it, the guy in Tony's league, if it was King, this name is, his team name is Ayuk in. And I just beat him just last week. But, um, yeah, like, you know, what's what's the thing there? So, Lost that because Carson Wentz was the one who ran it in first for a touchdown. I bet Carson Wentz also and uh, one unit to win 29. And so we banged that um, up 29 units on that one bet right there, which really saved my day and kind of saved my weekend. So it kind of, there's two bets that kind of inflated my weekend, but, um, but Hey, we'll take it. Right. So uh, Carson Wentz scrambles and kind of my thinking too was like, you know, the Eagles can move the ball and they get down near the goal line and stuff like that. I'm like the dude's always, I think he, I, I didn't really watch the game. Um, it's way too late to be super invested in watching sports on the East coast during a school night. And, um, but my thought was like, Hey, the Niners get a pass rush. This dude might be on the run a lot. Kind of like the Joe Burrow syndrome. He's been on the run a lot too. He's kind of mobile and they have nothing to lose. Right. Like this, they're, the team isn't, the team isn't winning, so what are you going to do differently, right? So um, I thought he might be able to scramble one in, and he ended up doing it. So sweet, right? One unit to get 29. The other ones, I was looking for big payouts, so I'd bet any other 49er, any other Eagles, they list like all the mo- – most of the prime players that could potentially be like fantasy reveling or anything like that within there. So those ones were like huge things, but I lost a 
a unit each on those. So down two units on those bets. So on Sunday, right? So we lost four on our parlays, four with Jonathan Taylor and three on first touchdowns, but we hit one that saved it all. So a risk 12 units, 129 for a profit of 17 units on Sunday. So if you add those up, 21 units between Thursday night football and Sunday football. And then getting into the Monday night games. Uh, let me move my screen over to get to that. Uh, come on, internet. <clears throat> All right. So getting into Monday night football, we had the first game being New England and the Chiefs. Um, this is probably the dumbest fucking thing I've ever done in my life. And it kind of gave me some anxiety. But uh, the Chiefs were up 3-0 on New England. And New England had the ball third and eight or something like that. And I was like, oh, like, uh, Brian Hoare is probably going to throw an inter- uh, not an interception, but the likelihood of him completing a yard pass that early in the game, maybe some nerves are racking. I don't know. Like, you know, he doesn't have anything to lose. He's Brian Hoyer, you know, whatever. But the team just stopped the, pay- the, the most dynamic offense probably ever in football in the Chiefs. And, um, you know, their, their defense came to play. They probably have a good game plan because Belichick is really good on the defensive end. So, um, you know, he's – I don't know. Like <clears> – <throat> Maybe some some stuff going there. I didn't have a lot of faith in the Patriots to score. So um, I'm sitting there, and uh, well, before I get to that, let me get to this real quick. So I bet the first touchdowns again, because why not? I did it last night. Let's get some good odds, right? James White to score first and Nicole Hardman to score first. So on the James White, it was a 14-1. Uh, to 1. And so risk one unit to get 14 and Nicole Hardman one to get 16 lost both of those because Tyreek Hill ran that end around, which we got later on from Nicole Hardman as well. But, um, yep. So lost two units there. So first quarter it's the new England first drive. And I'm like, ah, like I see a bet that says race to five points. Right. So the first team to get to five points. The Kansas City chiefs are minus three seventy, which means that you have to risk $370 to get $100, right? Um, so not really great odds, right? Uh, you're, you're paying a lot just to win a little, so you're risking way too much. Um, and I don't know why. I was like, oh, the Chiefs are going to score again next drive anyways, like if they stop them, right? So I sit there and I'm like, screw it. Uh, they snap the ball, incomplete pass, fourth down, I hit it real quick, right? <sighs> but this was dumb. Don't ever do this. I don't ever recommend anybody to do this. Uh, the the risk just isn't worth it. And that 20 minutes next was fucking terrible. Uh, but I was like, oh, I can I can win a quick hundred bucks, right? And this is this is the dumb side of sports betting, which I learned a lot about myself in this time frame. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna win hundred bucks. So I sit there and to get it in quick before the line jumped super high, I was like, screw it, four hundred. So I bet four hundred dollars to win one hundred eight dollars. This was 40 units to win 10.8, right? My unit size is $10 a unit. So um, not a big better or nothing like that, but slow and steady gains, you end up growing. So, um, but yeah, don't do that. Uh, The Chiefs go down, I think they three and out or they move a little bit and punt and then New England gets the ball. So now I'm sitting there like, holy shit, like I just risked 400 bucks. And what if New England scores a touchdown here? Something happens. James White catches something, you know. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose 400 bucks and all this kind of shit. They get stopped. New England or Kansas City comes back. And there was, like, a long drive. They were kind of driving a little bit and everything like that. And then the Chiefs get the ball. I think they were, like, at the goal line. They had a holding call or something, too. Like, they're pushed up against the, against the goal line. Um, and it just took a while. But the Chiefs went finally – scored i think they got a field goal or something like that but it was like the most nerve-wracking like i wanted to puke hated myself for 20 25 minutes there but it won so um yeah hindsight it looks okay it looks cool right oh you risk this much to get this much but that is by far the dumbest fucking thing you can do other than parlay so um don't recommend ever doing that i will never do that again especially when my unit size is 10 bucks um Never betting 40. It doesn't matter what the unit size is, right? If you're a $100 better, like, are you going to go and bet um, $4,000 to win 1000 Like, are you willing to risk that? That's just, it's just dumb. Like, you can bet so much more and recoup your losses, right, later on. Um, don't ever do that. But it hit, so 40 risked for 10.8. Uh, talked about the props that 
fail, but that was my only New England um, Kansas City betting. I kind of wanted to bet it in game. I was watching it, but I just didn't know like New England plays them tight, and I just didn't want to do it. So uh, in the next game, which was Green Bay against Atlanta, um, this was a game I think I thought that Atlanta had absolutely no shot to win. Uh, the the line for the game was five point five. So Green Bay was a five-point favorite, and the total was 57. I thought that Green Bay could probably put up, I don't know. Um, I thought they could put up points, but I didn't think Atlanta could. Uh, going up into an environment in Lambeau, granted there's no fans, but temperatures are different. You can play in a climate-controlled environment. They got all the anxiety and all that kind of stuff on the mental side of we just keep blowing leads when we, when we should be winning. Like, we're the reason the Cowboys have one win. When they shouldn't, my nose is bugging me. God damn it! Uh, I just thought they would beat the brakes off of them, but I don't. I didn't think that Atlanta would be able to score. So the line was five and a half. The over, um, the point total was fifty-seven, um, and I didn't think that they would score twenty-one points on Green Bay. So Green Bay's got an excellent pass rush, which we ended up seeing, um, and Julio Jones coming off an injury, probably not hundred percent, which we saw. He got removed from the game. Uh, but I bet the under first. First thing I did was bet the under. So I bet two units to get 1.9. And then parlayed the under with the points. So minus five and a half for Green Bay, under 57. Bet one unit to get three. Hit that. The first half total, because I thought it would be under, I hit this in game. It was like in the first quarter, it was like, I don't know what it was, seven nothing or something like that, or ten nothing. I forget what the total was, what the game total was, but it was near the end of the first quarter, and um, I was like, they're not going to double this in the second quarter. I just, don't, I just didn't believe that Atlanta could score on them. Um, so I looked in game, and it was under. Uh, the number was thirty and a half for the halftime score, and I didn't get it because the the total wasn't higher than 57 right so why would the first like i get that the second half can kind of slow down team punting more trying to run some clock and stuff like that but a number for 30 and a half doesn't for me doesn't represent a 57 and you know i think that i think the total had gone down to like 52 51 or something like that too during that time frame like it was it was fluctuating 54 i think maybe something like that but it was fluctuating but it didn't go in the same route like on the same trajectory, like left or right of the number line. So uh, I bet under 30 and a half, two units to win one and a half, cash that. And then uh, also before the game, I bet Julio Jones under five and a half receptions, just because I didn't think that they would be on. I didn't think he was fully healthy. Maybe he's a decoy, something like that. Um, and uh, luckily he got, well, luckily for the pockets, not luckily for him, but whatever. He's a multimillionaire athlete, like, his legs busted or something like that. It's fine. Like I get like you, you feel bad for him, but, um, but maybe he has some gratitude for his ability to just be able to be on the field a little bit. So it doesn't bother him as much, but anyways, I bet 1.4 units get to uh, 0.98. So on the Monday night football, we <laughs> fuck. I want to puke looking at this. Uh, I risked 48.4 units, which is absolutely stupid. That is, oh my God. Oh God, it's so dumb. But 48.4 units to win 18.8. So I ended up uh, bringing home 18.8. So minus the two bets I lost for two units and with a profit of 16.8. All right. So even if you minus the dumb bet, um, oh no, we'll get to something else. So on the week, right? Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Thursday plus four, Sunday plus seventeen, Monday plus sixteen point eight, with a total on the week of plus thirty-seven point eight units, and minus the dumb bet of betting forty to get ten point eight. Um, still sitting at twenty-seven units, right? So pretty good, uh, pretty decent. Um. A lot of things I felt really good about. I do bet a lot later, um, but and I like to in-game. So that's that from a sports betting angle. Um, some cool things, too. Uh, a couple people within our league and our group texts uh, were sharing some bets over the weekend. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
and I think this is Monday night. So uh, Tony and Trey, obviously they share with each other what they're betting because they didn't let me know, but they had the same thing. And Tony posted in a group text, thanks Trey for letting me in on this, right? So they bet Aaron Jones would be the first touchdown of the game for Monday night football, plus 400, so four to one odds. Um, Trey was telling me something cool about the DraftKings app, which uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, which he bets on. Yeah, DraftKings Sportsbook gives you insurance on first touchdown props up to $20 if the same player scores anytime in the games for Sunday night and Monday night football. So if you are betting Aaron Jones to score the first touchdown and you put 20 bucks on it, right, and he doesn't score the first touchdown, but he scores in the game, then you get your 20 bucks back. So it's basically like you get some insurance on it, right? Uh, he said what he does is he always uses a running back for those type of bets. Um, he says that since he's been doing it, it's always like he's always either won the bet or he's gotten his money back because running backs typically score, like the number one usually scores um, touchdowns in those games, right? Um, kind of interested to see what like a long-term record of that is. Um, but that's pretty cool that they do that on DraftKings Sportsbook. So if you have DraftKings Sportsbook and you use it, um, consider doing something like that. Like somebody who you think is a surefire lock, like legit, like the odds aren't going to win you crazy ton of money but if you could double up or two times your four times your money or something like that like fucking take it man like where else like you can't get that in the stock market like you know you get into mutual funds and stuff like that um your growth is what every seven years seven seven to eight years you should double your money based if you just didn't put anything else in it right um that's what the compound interest kind of equates to and you can forex it in one night so that's pretty cool um a lot of risk there too. A lot more risk than I think the stock market and mutual funds. Uh, a lot more safer, but you know, whatever. You're having fun. You have some dispen- dispensable cash. Um, have some fun with it. Um, and another one, um, big shout out to Trey's wife, Beth. Um, Beth's over here knocking down props left and right. She knocked down one of them big time, right? She had the Aaron Jones prop too on her app and then or on her account. And then she also bet a two touchdown prop for Robbie Blue Ox raising Runyon 50 to one. So for him to score two touchdowns was 50 to one. Um, so that's a plus 5,000 bet, right? When uh, for the way the numbers on the lines work is for a hundred bucks, whatever the number is, right? Minus whatever plus. So plus it's 50 to one um, odds there. And he ended up scoring three touchdowns, right? So for a buck, you'd get, if you did that on that line for a dollar, you'd get 50 bucks for 10. You get 500 bucks. A hundred dollar bet would net you five, 5,000. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see if we got anything else here on the sports spending angle. I don't believe we do, but uh, let me know in the, in a review on Apple or in the comments or on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is, shoot me a message and let me know what you think about what we talked about here. Uh, anything else you'd like to know, learn, um, I'm big on learning it and I'll just share what I've learned um, and how I go about things. So um, we'll take a break right now, get a word from our sponsors. And then Tony's going to come in and give us the recap for week four. See me, but I'm definitely playing the air guitar right now. This is Tony Cosentino, manager of Tony Patriot. I'm also the number one Hollywood Hulk Hogan fan, if you didn't notice. I'm here for the week four recap, so let's do this thing, brother. I'll start with my matchup here against the Scrooge Squad. Wayne Henry, you son of a bitch. I was the underdog going into this matchup, and I almost completed the comeback in that Sunday night game. George Kittle returned to action to the tune of 42 points. 15 targets, 15 catches. Give it to me. It wasn't enough, though, as I lost 150 to 162. Wayne had solid days by Traquan Smith, Jamison Crowder, Boyd, Robinson Cook, and even Stafford with 28. I got four from Darrell Henderson, three from Jeff Wilson, two from Mike Kosicki, and eight from DJ Moore, who seems to have surrendered his number one role to Robbie Anderson there in Carolina. After this matchup, we both moved to one and three. I don't even know what to say about my team at this point, so I'm just going to move on. Next up was the Vinegar Strokes versus Baby Ruth. 
a Molinet battle between Nate and his more handsome brother, Glenn. Nate won this one, walking away though, Monday night, 178 to 159. He had Robert Tanyan score, not one, not two, but three touchdowns. Nate also got a huge dump, I mean day, a huge day from Odell Beckham Jr. with 40 points. On the other side, Glenn had great days from Joe Mixon and Amari Cooper, but saw Nick Chubb go down and AJ Green put up one point, which was enough to give Nate the W. Nate moves to three and one with a win and Glenn falls to one and three. The third matchup here was between Password is Taco and the Eskimo brothers. Fuck you, Clint. This was Clint Evans putting the beat down on Joshua Peterson, 181 to 120. Top to bottom, Clint was rock solid. He had double digits from every single player in his lineup. Pretty damn good. Josh started Carlos Hyde, who didn't play, but it wouldn't have mattered in this one. Didn't have anything on his bench there. Clint moves to 4-0, and Josh, going the wrong way, moves to 0-4. Next was Too Hot to Handle, taking on the Murder Boners. This was one of the lower-scoring matchups featuring Brandon and Octavio. Brandon won this one on Monday night, 124-102. to He sealed the win with Rodgers and Gurley, despite having Ridley, Cooks, and Adams with the zeros on his roster. Octavio's roster looked pretty good going into the weekend, but he only got double digits from Josh Allen and Adam Thielen. Disappointing weekend for Octavio, and with the loss, he drops to 2-2. Two two. Brandon moves to 3-1. However, he's set to be without Austin Eckler for a to-be-determined amount of time. I shaved my balls for this battle, three-penis wine, in our next matchup. Trey versus Nick. Trey won this one 151-116 to and got a huge upgrade in Kareem Hunt with Chubb going on IR. This gives him the best running back squad in the league, in my opinion, with Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, James Robinson, and Kareem Hunt. He still has Michael Thomas, too, on the bench. In this matchup with Nick, he got 44 from the GOAT and solid contribution from the rest of his roster. Nick finally saw Mike Evans with a big day, but there wasn't much beyond that. He was forced to roll out James White and J.D. McKissick as James Conner and Derrick Henry were impacted by the COVID positive test and the rescheduling of that game. Could have been closer, but it's 2020, so it is what it is. Nick falls to 2-2 two two with the loss and trade a 3-1 with the W. Our final matchup was between the Pocket Dogs and Chad Lives Matter. James Michael going up against Chad Ryan. Clint made the correct start-sit decisions here for James as the Pocket Dogs got the win 154 to 118. James, much like Clint, got double digits from every single starting position. Chad, not so much. Mr. Ryan did have 24 from Mahomes and 28 from Melvin Gordon, but there wasn't much for him beyond that. James gets to three and one with a win and Chad drops to one and three. Your standings after week four action have Clint still sitting at the top of the leaderboard at four and oh, pocket dogs, vinegar strokes, too hot to handle, and I shaved my balls for this are two, three, four, and five respectively, all sitting at three and one. In sixth is Three Penis Wine at two and two, followed by Murder Boners, also at two and two, Sword Squad, Chad Lives Matter, Baby Ruth and Tony Patriot are 8, 9, 10, and 11, all sitting at 1 and 3. And bringing up the rear is Josh Peterson at 0 and 4. All right, guys, as Nate mentioned in one of the previews, week four has been an absolute shit show, but it was another week of football, so we'll take it. Keep grinding, stay active on the waiver wire, and good luck going into week five. Back over to Nate. Okay, then. All right, we're going to get into the waiver wire recap here for the league waivers process this morning. So Brandon dropped LaMichael P. Ryan, New York Jets running back for the Chargers quarterback, $51 of fab money. He also dropped Jordan Howard for Justin Jackson, spent 456 bucks. That's almost half of our budget. Uh, I don't know what the rest of his budget looks like, and I didn't pull up those numbers, so we won't get into it in this episode. But yeah, half of his budget there. He's hurting at running back um, pretty hard. So um, I don't know. He's probably going to fill some pass, or pass catching role there, but um, maybe he gets some more work because Josh Kelly keeps fumbling the damn ball. Um, coaches think really high of Josh Kelly, but um, not when you're fumbling the ball. So who knows? Um, maybe it pays off, you know, take some chances. And we had Tony drop D-Jax for Dearness Johnson. For $501, over half of the starting budget. I mean, time will tell. This guy got a lot of run in the last game, but I think it's a big false narrative that's going on right there. The thing with why he got a big run was they had a, I think from my angle and what I see, they had a super sizable lead against the Cowboys that was comfortable. And Kareem Hunt came into that game kind of limped up. Like he was kind of injured a little bit. Uh, I, I don't foresee him carving out a huge role um, maybe they split some time there, but I think it's going to be like 65, 35 and, um, you know, maybe Tony's roster really needs a running back really bad that can get 35% of the touches, but, 
Um, I don't, I don't, I think they got Kareem Hunt and they're going to use Kareem Hunt and he's going to be the Nick Chubb. But um, I don't see, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. Maybe Kareem Hunt gets hurt and he's got that handcuff and a great running game system. So um, we'll see what it looks like long-term. We'll touch back on that in future weeks. Chad dropped the Jags QB. So reminder in this league, we use team quarterbacks and not individual quarterbacks. And that's kind of one way we kind of COVID proof the league just in case one guy gets that. And then um, for example, this week, Cam Newton had COVID, right? Um, If you, we're needing a quarterback and you just wanted to stick with whoever the backup was, then you could have just left it as Patriots quarterback played Hoyer. You would have got the Stidham points as well. I'd have to look at that and see what it looks like. Give me a second. I'm going to look it up. So, um, but yeah, you can use that. Or if you had the Broncos quarterback, right? Like that's a good situation to get into. So no matter who's there, it can look pretty good. Uh, as long as they're scoring touchdowns and stuff like that. And you, you like all the weapons, say something like, um, uh, what it what would it be uh something like like a new orleans situation right they got Jameis. Jameis is going to be able to put up points in new orleans like he might be able to he might put up more points than drew Brees. like who knows like he's going to throw picks but fuck the guy threw for five g's last year and he's got good weapons there you know so in the new england game yeah they had the three interceptions for the quarterback but you know who knows what that looks like um so that was six points some points so probably a bad example there but let's look at the Broncos quarterback and what that looked like. So if I'm looking at Broncos quarterback, typing it in here, team quarterback for the Broncos, um, you know, say you say you were the Drew Locke truther, right? Week one, 15 points. Uh, week two, 21. Week three, 12. Well, this week against the Jets, that quarterback had 17.8 points. So I think that was a pretty good, pretty good thing there that hey, you didn't have to drop a guy or keep a guy on your roster because you have the backup for that. So if you get into the right system, like I think Oakland, I think I mentioned it in, I don't know what league it was, but someone, I think it was Trey in one of the leagues drafted the, um, it, was, it had to have been this one. He drafted the Oakland uh, quarterback as a backup. And I thought that was pretty cool because I think that Mariota might take over that role. And I think they could be a lot more dynamic with his running ability. He probably won't run as much, but I think he fits the system really well. Woo. Okay. Enough of that. But yeah. Uh, Drop the Jags quarterback for Hunter Info for 50 bucks for Chad. Also drop Chris Herndon for Greg Olson, 110. Ooh. Uh, I think he's already like halfway through his budget too. So uh, we might be trying to get away from some of that Denver game there and then maybe try to trade some assets. So anybody in the league, uh, look out. You might be able to get, you know, Noah Fant or something like that just so that it can, Chad can get another asset or something like that. That's an angle you can look at for teams that are, hurting they're a little bit lower in the standings and stuff like that what's their downfall well the fact that he's got three on the same team like even though they put up tons of points this week they all couldn't perform um limits your kind of your upside and then um so getting greg olson there like maybe you can sit there and get a, a noah fan trade if you're a truther there also dropped uh deon lewis for greg ward philly wide receiver for zero he picked this up after the waiver wires cleared after waivers cleared and we have uh, first come, first serve after that. Trey, after waivers cleared, dropped Braxton Berrios, New York Jets wide receiver for Tim Patrick for zero bucks. And that's that for the wire, waiver wire recap. Uh, moving on to some final words. Um, so something I think is really interesting and something that might be pretty gut-wrenching. Uh, I Serious talk here, right? So I posted a poll on my Instagram and Facebook stories the other day, just imported my Instagram to my Facebook stories. Um, and I asked a poll of yes or no, was the answers available to the question, are you happy? Um, I was kind of, I was kind of taken back by how honest people were, I guess. Um, and I thought it was actually kind of cool, but kind of saddening at the same time. So the results were almost 50, 50 with nearly 60 people responding. Um, Kind of my thing, I guess I would think about in this situation is some homework, if that's you or any anybody, right? Anybody, I think this thing can like lead to a lot of happiness, right? And I I heard this on a Danica Patrick podcast. So Danica Patrick has a podcast, and she mentioned it in one of them, and uh, it was fairly recent, like within the last month. But um, she said that she wrote her own eulogy, and that got me thinking, and she kind of explained why but I did it too, right? 
Um, sounds super morbid, um, but do it to reverse engineer your life. Like if you're not happy and stuff like that, right? So write your eulogy, what, what's going to be said when they're talking about you when you're dead, right? And then um, use it as an accountability tool. What do you want them to say? What do, you, what do you really feel about yourself? And then identify whether or not your actions and your behaviors contradict that perception, right? I think a lot of us, me included, and me for a very, very long time, like over a decade, um, we have our own perception of ourselves and who we really are, but we're also human, right? And while we can think one thing, our behaviors can contradict that, like I said earlier, contradict that perception. That's cool. That's okay, right? Um, but being able to identify that kind of stuff um, and take action on it and it's fucking hard uh i'll be the first to say that it's, it's fucking rough um but i think getting back on the path that you want for your own personal legacy like what do you want your legacy to be what do you want to be remembered for um and stuff like that um and to have those closest to you say about you um on their own not from your own wishes and words of anything like that. Like you don't want them to take your, what you wrote when you were 30 or something like that, 33, 24, 36, 45, whatever it may be, right. Their own words on how they perceived you, what they, their interactions and uh, the person you really were. Right. Um, so while you can think of one thing in your mind, the things that you do are different. Um, and that's, it's a really hard thing to, to come to terms with, but, um, yeah but to have them you know whatever they're going to say or whatever those words are going to be about you um uh, just before they burn your body or throw you know dirt on your fifteen thousand dollar wood wooden box that um is part of like continuously getting better like i think that reverse engineering that going back looking at that and doing the things to get yourself to that point and keep yourself on track for what you want to be remembered for um, is a part of just continuously getting better. Um, and I really think that if we are doing better individually, um, then we're not getting worse. And if we're not doing better individually and not striving to get better and better and better, um, we're getting worse. And um, for example, if you take a, say a $1 bill in the twenties, right? 1920s, hundred years ago, if you had a dollar bill, in the 20s, you could buy a lot more things with that single piece of paper than you can in 2020. You could hardly buy anything for a single piece of paper that says one on it, right? So I guess final line, growth is always the greatest investment. Take care. Love you. Bye.